Sometimes I might say, why don't you talk to them first? And if you like what they say, hire them. But if you're not sure you've got the best, you're not sure you know all the details, you're not sure you're comfortable with one of them, that's the time to pick up the phone and call me. It's not arrogant, right? It's empathetic. I'm taking the pressure off because I respect my prospects. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi there, listeners of the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm running a little competition as we're trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the work that inspires those to sell with love more. And the best way to do this is to leave reviews, both on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And for those of you who leave a review when listening to this episode, I would ask you to take a screenshot of your review and send it to me at jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. And in doing so, I'm going to give you a set of meditations that you can use to get into the state of selling with love, whether it's connecting with your buyer, affirmations before making calls, or any kind of outreach. These will empower you to be feeling powerful and to be able to do it from a place of love. It is a reward for supporting the show, being a loyal listener, and of course, being able to give more to my amazing audience. Thank you for always showing up, listening, and being inspired by the amazing guests that I get to interview and I get to share their message with you. So again, just leave a review. Take a screenshot of the review. This can be done on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and email it directly to me, jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. Thank you, and now let's get started with our episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. And today we're talking about an aspect of really reclaiming our power and setting proper expectations as salespeople and really sifting through a lot of the BS that exists in the sales world when it comes to information and the things we tolerate as salespeople. Because maybe you have a knack for thinking that, you know, oh, you hate salespeople, they're all the same, but you have no idea what exists in the world as a salesperson on how people treat such salespeople. And I want to make sure that we are ready to face whatever is coming at us as a small business owner, consultant, coach, or as a salesperson, as a profession, so you can go out there and really make the difference that I know you want to make. And the guest that I have today is Walker McKay, who's a principal and founder of the McKay Consulting Group. He has an organization to help companies and professional firms build better, more efficient sales processes and business development teams. What I really love is the fact that he runs the No BS Sales School. It's a real-time coaching training school for salespeople and is the host of the No BS Sales podcast, a fellow podcaster, a man that has interviewed thousands of salespeople and has been able to sift through all of the information and really be able to see what are the things that we should be paying attention to be our best selves. Walker, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, Jason. Thank you. And audience, I want to thank you for listening to this great podcast. It's an honor. One way you can help Jason for all the free information he puts out there is to go to Apple and write a review. Go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. It's the words that matter. So if you'll write a review for his podcast, that really helps expand who can listen to it. So let's share this with more people. Jason, thank you so much. I didn't mean to take over at first, but let your audience take care of you. 
Hey, I love that. And it's so true. And thank you for, you know, acknowledging that as a podcaster yourself, you know exactly what we put into this, making this available for everyone. And what are the things that your audience can do that really make a difference, which now I want to focus on some of the content here. You run the fun podcast. I have the selling with love, which sounds like butterflies and rainbows, but you get to the real deal. You're the no BS sales podcast. So this begs the question, you must have noticed a lot of BS out there. And I want to see what have you noticed and what do we have to pay attention to? Oh, it's a great question, Jason. I think there's so much BS. Most of it is in expectations between buyers and sellers. An exercise I do with some of my clients is to, well, have a group in a room or used to have a group in a room, right? We get together and I'll take half the class and take them outside, meaning outside of the room. And I will tell them, I'll say, all right, here's a role play. You're salespeople. You have a meeting with your ideal prospect. How much time do you need? And usually they'll say half an hour, hour, something like that. And I'll say, who do you think ought to do most of the talking? And they would say, oh, the prospect. And I'd say, and how would you hope that meeting would end? And they say, well, with a contract and a check, of course. So I go back inside and I tell the people that are still inside the room, I said, all right, you're a busy business guy. You own the business. Your assistant tells you there's a salesperson out here in the lobby waiting for you. You're not sure what it's about. How much time do you have for them? Answer, most of the time is five minutes. Who would you hope to do most of the talking? And it would be the salesperson. And how would you hope it would end? And they would say, they leave their information, including pricing, get the hell out of my office. So when you start a sales call, that's the two saws, the two gears that are grinding against each other to start with. And so that's what causes the BS of mismatched expectations. Wow. Yeah. If you start putting yourself in the shoes of the other person, you realize that, hey, if you want to have some empathy, you better understand how different this scenario is when you're sitting in the seat of the buyer. Now, if that's the case and we want to set better expectations, we only got five minutes here. What are some of the things we need to pay attention to? Well, so the first thing is when you set the appointment, right, is to say, hey, typically we would need 30 to 45 minutes to have this conversation. When's the time we can spend 30 to 45 minutes, right? And set it based upon that. Then I might ask the question, hey, while I got you on the phone, do you mind if we talk about what we ought to be talking about in that meeting? One of my pet peeves, Jason, is when salespeople get into a meeting under false premise. So for example, in the past six months, twice it's happened to me. I just moved to a new office about a year ago. Twice it's happened to me. Somebody called, somebody I know said, hey, I'd love to come see your new office. Great. Love to show it to you. Twice I've figured out 10 minutes into the meeting that I'm the prospect, that they're trying to sell me something. And I'm like, holy shit. Why didn't you just say, hey, can I come by? I'd love to see your office and talk some business. Even just a warning like that. People say, oh, you know, don't do business with friends. And yet then they go try and make friends with their prospects. That bums me out. It's dumb, right? The goal of a friendship should only be the friendship itself. What I tell my clients to go for is a healthy business relationship where two people are knowingly helping each other reach their own business goals. Hmm. This just reminds me of people like everyone, if you haven't been in an office and had this kind of experience, I know everyone can relate to a friend that's reaching out of nowhere and then suddenly what, it's selling Herbalife or it's Amway or it's an MLM type of product and then it uses up the friendship and usually doesn't even result in a sale. And I feel like that's an approach that gets taught and is so wrong and done in the opposite way. 
So I agree with you. And here's how you can make a difference. Ask permission. If you want to talk business with somebody, here's what you do before you bring it up. Hey, do you mind if we have a business conversation? Even if you haven't, or even if you didn't set the expectation for the meeting, hey, bud, let's go have a beer, right? And then, I mean, ideally, when you invite somebody for beer, say, do you mind if we have a beer? I'd love to catch up. And I'd like to have a business conversation with you. Be as transparent as possible. If you hide it, you erode trust. And sometimes, so I had a buddy of mine. He's an investment banker. He's up near Washington. And he's an old fraternity brother of ours whom he hadn't talked to in 35 years, called and said, hey, let's have lunch. Haven't seen you. And he called me and said, what the hell is this about? I said, I got no idea. He goes, why is he calling me for lunch after 35 years? I said, I don't know. Maybe he just wants to be friends. He goes, this is weird. I said, well, you're weird. Anyway, we continued on. He called me afterwards. He goes, he just wanted to be friends. He just wanted to catch up. And so it's amazing the distrust that's created by this. Because John's like, didn't know if he wanted a job. Didn't know if he wanted me to buy from him. Didn't know what the story was. And the guy told him, that, honestly, the guy was honest and said, hey, I just want to catch up. But my friend didn't believe it. Isn't that funny? So managing expectations is the most important thing in a low trust environment like we have today. Yeah, I love that you highlight how there is that low trust environment. And it sounds like the barrier to level up the trust is really a low bar. Like we were just talking about being upfront, but there's an insecurity that's there, right? Like we feel like the person's gonna reject us or we need to hide the fact that there's a business intention What's going on there? And like, what's the worst that would happen? Isn't that weird? And so people, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you can ruin a friendship, right? And if that's the worst thing, right, is that you can totally blow a friendship or lose trust in a friendship. And so I am a big believer in dealing with everybody the same, right? And that you're, if you're going to sell to a friend or you're going to sell to a prospect, you treat them the same way with respect, Right, and that begins with, well, let me back up for a second. A buyer has a process that they're gonna follow pretty closely if they're looking to buy something. It's four steps. Step number one is they wanna find out about price. What's the price, right? That's typically one of the first questions out of their mouth. Well, how much does it cost? Then number two, if you make it through that jump, you get to step number two where you have a meeting and they'll ask you questions, be engaged, which to many salespeople is, that's a buying signal. That's a buying signal. Bullshit. The only buying signal is somebody writing you a check with a contract, right? They're asking questions because you've made it through that gate. We misunderstand that often, we as salespeople. And the person will be engaged, ask questions, and say, and do you mind putting that in writing? So they get a proposal. I call this second step free consulting, right? Step number three, they get all the information they need. They have all of our leverage, Step number three is say nice things and get rid of you. Hey, this really looks good. Apples to apples, all things being equal. Can't see a reason we wouldn't do business together. Or they might say, this looks really good. I need to check with my partner. Or let me think about it. Let me sleep on it. But really, this is, looks great. So we as a salesperson go, oh, okay. And we do what's called take strokes in lieu of money. We'll take the happiness instead of the money. And so this step, is called, like I said, say nice things, get rid of you. And the last step is when you follow up like you're supposed to, because we're supposed to be persistent. We're supposed to follow up, blah, blah, blah. And they see you call and they throw you to voicemail. It happens. And maybe they've taken your information, gone to their incumbent. 
you know, shown it to him. Hey, can you do this? And then they lie about the price to the incumbent. It just goes on and on and on. So who has all the power in that situation? It's the buyer. So what I want to do, there's no reason the damn buyer should have all the control. We're both humans. We're all equal. And so what I want to think about is how do we give ourselves as salespeople, how do we go ahead and grab the 50% control we should have? If it was 51, whole different game. By the way, here's a little aside, if you don't mind, Jason. If you're starting a business with someone else, two of you, someone must have 51%. You cannot do 50-50. It will be a freaking nightmare when you try and dissolve it or when you try and make hard decisions. Because if two people disagree, nothing happens. You get caught in deadlock. So somebody has to be 51. Sorry. As a salesperson, we got 50% control. We need to accept that, which means we need to set up a different set of rules and have them agreed upon up front. So I'm going to ask, beginning of meeting, how much time do you have? What do you want to make sure we talk about to make this a good meeting? Here's what I want to talk about. Are you okay if we talk about this? Right? Get permission to ask the questions you want to ask so you don't go, I'm not telling you that. Right? I want to learn ahead of time if there's going to be a problem. And then I'm going to get permission to say, look, if I don't think we can help you, I don't think we're the right fit, even if I called you, are you okay if I tell you no, if I don't think we're the right fit? And do you mind doing the same for me? Because what I want to do up front is set it up that this is a no pressure situation. No is my second favorite word. I hear it all the time. So after we give each other permission to say no, then I'm going to say, hey, tell me something. Let's pretend we get in the meeting and you're thinking this does make sense. And I'm thinking it does make sense. What do you see happening next? So before I've gone to the meeting, I've done a preparation and I thought, what's an ideal outcome? Right? An ideal outcome in many cases may be a contract. They may say, well, I don't know. And they may say, well, we'll get started or something like that. And I want to be real clear. And I'll say, well, typically at the end of a meeting like this, we're deciding whether or not you sign a contract, write me a check. And we work together. Would you be okay deciding that? Yes or no on that. Oftentimes they'll say, well, sure. And I'll say, okay, great. Anything less than you're thinking, taking that step's a great idea at the end of this meeting. Let's just call it a no. All I'm asking for, right, since the title of the person we're supposed to be calling on, regardless of what you sell, is decision maker, right? And so what should we expect that person to be able to do? Make a decision. So let's pretend, on the other hand, they say, oh, I couldn't, I can't sign a contract today. I'm talking to two other people. You say, great, let's do this then. Why don't we decide at the end of this meeting whether or not you want to hire me to do a study of your current situation? Or why don't we decide in this meeting whether or not it makes sense for you to give me all your information to see if it makes sense for me to do some kind of proposal or something, Right. I want to make sure I know at the end of the meeting, I want to decide at the beginning of the meeting, what are we going to decide yes or no on to the end of the meeting? Otherwise, neither of us know where this is going. Neither of us know the direction. Their prospect doesn't know the right questions to ask. They can get caught up in things. But if they know the decision they're supposed to make, yes or no, then they know the right questions to answer that. And they can get comfortable. They can focus on it. So sometimes I might say, if they say, well, I'm talking to three other people, and I might say, you know what? I don't think we're going to be the right fit already. 
Because if you're talking to three other people, chances are there's going to be somebody cheaper than me. If I find out ahead of time I've got competitors, I'm going to go last. Because if I go last, then somebody can tell me yes or no. If I'm not, I can make a business decision. Do I want to continue? Now, sometimes I make a business decision. Okay, you got two other people you're talking to. You call me at the end of this thing. If after you've talked to other people, you don't think I'm the right one, pick up the phone and call me. Sometimes I might say, why don't you talk to them first? And if you like what they say, hire them. But if you're not sure you've got the best, you're not sure you know all the details, you're not sure you're comfortable with one of them, that's the time to pick up the phone and call me. It's not arrogant, right? It's empathetic. I'm taking the pressure off because I respect my prospects. And that's the key to me of this whole thing is that I have to go in with the idea that I respect my prospect and I expect the same back, but I have to understand the leverage that I have. My information is all the leverage that I have. And as soon as I give that away, I've got no leverage. So any negotiation I have to do, any work that I have to do, I'm going to do that before I give away all my information. And so that's the key is holding on to that information and being transparent about it. If somebody says, well, I need your pricing, say, look, you're on page eight, I'm back on page two. I don't even know what to price at this point. You mind if we dig in a little bit deeper and make sure. Before I give a proposal, Jason, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, I've already gotten an agreement. Before I put anything in writing, I've already gotten an agreement that they're going to buy. If I don't think they're going to buy, why in the hell would I give them a proposal? So oftentimes, like this one today, a guy who said to a proposal and he's got to take it to his CEO, which is fine. That's how I got there. He's the president. He's got to take it to his CEO for approval. And I said, let's do this. I suck at writing proposals. I'm going to create a draft and let's talk it over. I'm just going to create a draft and let's talk it over. Let's see what you think I might need more of or less of. And if you think I'm way off the mark, we don't even have to go through it. If he is not, and quite frankly, when I go over with him and he is not willing to endorse using me, then I'll just say, look, let's not do this. So that's my yes or no for him is, will you endorse my service to the decision maker? Anything less you're thinking that's a great idea, we'll just call it a note at the end of this call because there's no reason for you to stick your neck out for me if you're not fully behind it. There's this concept I feel that exists a lot in sales. It's probably not talked about because most people just like vilifying salespeople, but there's kind of this nice guy syndrome that exists in so many salespeople that might not be as confident. Maybe they're under-trained. They haven't been exposed to this kind of knowledge and they become quite victimized in the process. They spend a lot of time going to people, putting in the work and not getting the check. Yes. And so I love this approach where you're actually bringing back this equality between the salesperson and the prospect, realizing we're all humans and we should be respecting each other's time. What do you think are some of the things that are happening in people's mind that makes them so subservient when they go into a sales process? Is it because we just wanna be liked? Well, it's funny because a lot of people are that way. I think a lot of it comes from, we call the records or tapes in your head or CDs or MP3s in your head from our parents, right? Who said things like, call everybody Mr. or Mrs. They do that. I mean, I'm from the Southeastern United States, right? Which is, that's a big deal. Call everybody Mr. or Mrs. Respects your elders, which I'm okay with, right? Being an elder now. And, you know, don't talk to strangers. For God's sake, don't ask about money. 
all these things that are great and keep you safe. And don't talk to strangers. These things are great and keep you safe up to about age 12, maybe 14, depending on how big you are. But when you grow up, you got to outgrow those things. Because if you don't want to talk to strangers, you're going to suck at sales. And if you don't want to talk about money, you're going to suck at sales. And if you're supposed to you know, be nice all the time, let me do a riff for a second, Jason, because I think nice is often a misused word. Nice to me is weak. Nice is, well, I'll give an example. I would prefer to think of the difference between nice and kind, right? Nice is a weak word. Kind is a strong word. Nice is when your friend has spinach in their teeth, you don't tell them. Kind is pulling them aside and saying, you got spinach in your teeth, right? Being willing to do the right thing on somebody else's behalf, which is all about sales is love, right? We are being kind. And sometimes the kindest thing we can say is, hey, you know what? I don't think we got the right thing. It doesn't make sense for you to spend this kind of money. I don't think you should do this, right? And so part of this is having the courage to tell the truth and be like, tell the brutal truth. Don't be freaking brutal. Just tell the truth. I was just going to say, like, I've had one of those encounters where someone was like, I'm ready to give you all the money I have left in my pocket to start working with you. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You're not in a place to be able to hire me. You need to go work on yourself. You need to be using everything I offer for free because that's where you're starting from. And I love you make this distinction between nice and kind. I've never heard it that way. And I think it beautifully illustrates what I really want people to start paying attention to. And you've put some beautiful words together that makes it so that it resonates with everyone here to realize that if you want to be kind, you're doing the right thing. If you want to be nice, it's being a pushover. It's just taking care of yourself so that people think that you're nice. And it's not even something you want to pursue. There's so much more. Nice sucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've even read a book that was called No More Mr. Nice Guy. I feel like this theme is really relevant now and I'm hearing it more and more. And I think people are getting on board of it. I did want to poke at one aspect, which is something I hear a lot about. And some of the clients I have often ask me this question and I'd love to hear your opinion. Yeah, sure. Which is this pricing issue. Like they're going out and people are like, what's the price? You talked about this, right? Like sometimes it's like, oh, just tell them it depends. Do everything except tell them the price. And it's like, you're basically withholding the one thing that they want. So like, how do you navigate this? You know, it depends. I would say a lot of times if somebody asked me too soon, I might say, you know, I'm not sure yet, right? I don't know yet. However, if somebody presses for the price, I may give them a range. So you could spend somewhere, depending upon what it is you need, you could spend anywhere between five and $12,000, right? Give them a range, but I don't know exactly which model, which version, which intensity, which whatever you're gonna need. I might say, chances are we're not gonna be the cheapest. At this point in the conversation, I can comfortably say somewhere between $100,000 and $175,000, depending upon a whole lot of factors. And then I might say, but you're on page eight. I'm back on page two. Can we go back and figure out if it makes sense for you to spend a penny on this, especially with me? And that's the point, is to really, is to show respect for the other person. I notice most of the people that have struggles with this issue is not because the buyer has an issue with price, but the seller has an issue with price. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. 
we so have so things. much insecurities around that. So what have you noticed? It's people hate to talk about money and they're afraid of it and they're afraid to ask or they just assume and they say, oh, this is IBM. They can spend billions on this. Well, listen, but they may not, right? How much money somebody has is irrelevant to how much money they can find for what you do. I mean, do you ask the ambulance driver, how much is this going to cost me before you get in the ambulance? Hell no, you don't right? You have to have it. There are things, my son, in the worst time in the history of the planet to buy an automobile. I've bought three and I may have to buy four because this is not for pleasure, but because one of my cars was constantly breaking down. The other car, my son totaled. Another car, my son was going off to college and I promised him if he got a scholarship, I would use that money saved to buy him a car. So all of a sudden I'm three cars in and I got one car left and I'm praying to God, we don't have to replace that one. So at this given time, but did I want to? No. Did I want to pay five, $10,000 more? No. Did I say, hey, I can do that? I mean, I can do it, but I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. Make sense? So you find the money and you got to have those conversations. You got to have them. Yeah. You know, when I see people have that hesitancy to have that conversation with money, I often say like resistance to price is usually in the mind of the seller. And so we need to get that comfort up and we need to realize that everybody's situation is different. Everybody has a different urgency to what they need to spend on. And you might just be walking in at the right time, wrong time. But again, I love this quote in this script that people can apply, which is, listen, you're on page eight. We got page two. We got to cover some grounds to see if this is actually something you need. See if you should spend a penny on it. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Walker, we covered a lot of things today and I just want to thank you for your time and thank you for coming to share so abundantly. And for those of you who are listening, we talked about how just being upfront, being honest and making sure that whenever you're going into conversations, you don't need to dance around and be the shady person that wants to get into a conversation to talk business. You can be upfront. You can be very authentic. You can be honest, lay a foundation for you to have these conversations, whether it's with a stranger or with an existing acquaintance about what your intentions are. And when you do that, you're going to show up much more powerfully. And when it comes to these conversations you have, keep in mind that as somebody who is a business owner, consultant, or a professional salesperson, you don't need to look at yourselves being less than the people you're selling to. You are equals. And I think this is what Walker really strove to bring forward as a point is when you start treating each other as equals, you can have a different conversation. It's not a yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. It's a how do we work something so that we're both actually walking away with something that's a good deal because you're trying to make a sale and they're trying to solve a problem. And when you get to speak to people with this level of confidence, you're going to realize that you can actually start moving a lot more mountains and be a lot more effective as a salesperson. I want to direct everybody here. If you're enjoying these conversations, you want to get some more no BS insights when it comes to sales, go and check out the no BS podcast. I'm going to put a link to Walker McKay's podcast and other resources so you can go deeper into that field so you can really sharpen your own ax and become a much more effective salesperson in the process. Walker, this was a fantastic conversation and I will want to give you a space to give us some final words. So it's the no BS sales school podcast with Walker McKay the No BS Sales School podcast, because there's a bunch of No BS stuff, and there's one that's No BS Mattress Sales. That's not me, right? No BS. If you look up under any podcast, any podcast channel, Walker McKay, you'll find my podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. It's been really fun. 
it reminds me of why I've changed my name from Jason to Jason Mark Campbell because there are too many Jason Campbells and I need to make sure I stand out. Walker, I have one final question for you that I love to ask my guests, which is, you know, you're on the Selling with Love podcast and I have to ask, what does selling with love mean to you? You know, we go back to the theme we've talked about earlier is, is respecting other people, respecting the journey and the path that they've come on, respecting they may not see things the same way you do, respecting the fact that somebody may not be ready for us yet. And when we go into a sales call to be skeptical that we're going to be the right fit, not in an arrogant way, but an empathetic way in a real way. That's what I think selling with love is. I love it. Walker, thank you so much again for your time and everybody listening. Keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.